Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. Please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, reading verses 1 through 14. Stay seated. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetousness, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. morning. Thanks for joining me today on this Lord's Day. Um, let me start open us in prayer and then we'll get into the message this morning. Dear Lord, thank you for today and the today you've given us yet another Lord's Day and it's a day that you've made and we get to rejoice and be glad in it. Help us today as we go through this passage of Ephesians, help guide us and give us wisdom to preach your word faithfully thankful for you and for your son that you sent for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you may not know me. I am Pastor Andrew. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace Point Church. Um, I promise uh, if this is your first time, if you come back and hear Don next week, he's a lot better than me. <laughs> My third time, I'm nervous. You know, it'll be... It'll be okay. Well, let's see. Um, but as, So some of you may know that Heidi and I just, my wife Heidi and I just took a trip to Maine where we spent some time with my family there on vacation. One thing we really got to enjoy seeing was like this lighthouse we have here. I tried to Photoshop Heidi and I out of it, um, but my Photoshop skills aren't that good either. Um, but like these lighthouses are all over the coast. Um, and then another thing you get to see a lot of that we really enjoyed are these, the rocky coast here that the lighthouses kind of protect the ships from. And as we were there, the story about two battleships came to mind. So two battleships were assigned to the training squadron and had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. I was serving on the lead battleship and was on watch on the bridge as night fell. 
The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing reported, light bearing on the starboard bow. Is it steady or moving astern, the captain called out. The lookout replied, steady captain, which meant we were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called out to the signalman. Signal to that ship, we are on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees. Back came the signal. Advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send, I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees. I'm a seaman, second class, came the reply. You had better change course 20 degrees. Now by that time, the captain is furious. He spat out, send, I'm a battleship, change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> we changed course. <laughs> so how are we? Are we willing to change course when the light says to follow a different path? Are we the battleship boasting of our rank and our power against the word of God that tells us that we're the ones who are wrong? As Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We are to be imitators of Christ, as we are told in the first verse of our passage today. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Are we also giving ourselves up for Christ? Are we imitating him the way a child imitates their parents? Because in our sins, we are not imitating Christ. So we need to do our best to cast it out of our life to imitate him. Feel like children who try to copy their parents. Like me as a little boy, trying to help my dad fix the car. Uh, what am I doing here? I'm just laying on my back shirtless because my dad was laying on his back shirtless and I didn't know what else I'm supposed to do to help him. Right? I wanted to be just like my dad. And I still do. Right? My, I, I strongly love and honor my dad and respect him. Um, I certainly wish that my hair could be an imitator of my dad's. Um, right? He's going to turn like 80 in a couple of months and he still has a full head of hair. I went bald at like 22. <laughs> and then like, as I shave my beard for today or like trim it down, I look in the sink and I go, that's a lot of gray. <laughs> all right. We all have our own sin issues in our life. Some are publicly known and some are private. We should all be working with the help of the Holy Spirit to cleanse ourselves of the sins that corrupt us. Even if they're private now, they will all come out at some point. So today, we're going to look at the three things we can do that cast out the darkness of sin that surrounds us. Our first thing to do is to realize the darkness that's around us. This is in verse 3 and 4. You can read with me. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. So Paul brings up the sins that were particularly common around Ephesus at the time. And if we're honest with ourselves, these are still the sins that plague us today. All right, and the only way for us to begin to cast the sin out of our life is to recognize it first. 
if you think a particular sin in your life is acceptable, then you aren't going to change it. Just like if anything else in life, if something doesn't seem to be a problem, are we really going to start the process to change any of it? If I don't see my weight as a problem, am I going to start getting up early to go to the gym? <laughs> no. But if I do, then I will start making those changes to do that. This doesn't mean that the problem doesn't exist just because we don't think it exists, just that we haven't even recognized it yet. And this is true for our sin as well. We need to be aware of our sin to change it. So we're going to go through a few of the dark sins that surround us. The first one Paul's, Paul calls out is sexual immorality. It really kind of starts with the big guns here. All right, sexual sins were at large in Ephesus and definitely are today in our lives as well. This is probably where we'll spend the majority of our chunk of the time today. But in Ephesus, temple prostitution was, was the fad, right? There's the temple of Artemis there. The temple of Artemis is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was four times bigger than the Parthenon in Athens. It covered 21 times the space that the temple that Solomon had built to God in the Old Testament. Religious prostitution with a priestess was part of their worship at this temple. And then also Ephesus was a, a port town. It's kind of on the coast of modern-day Turkey. And today, you can still see imprints on the ground of where sailors would take port and walk straight to the brothels that were there. And then even for the people that are coming over land, right, there's this thing called the Marble Road. It's constructed in the first century AD when Paul would have been there would have been preaching to the people in Ephesus. And in the Marble Road still exists where we see the first known advertisement. There's a footprint, one finger showing the library, and another showing the brothel. Known explanation of this is that the footprint shows where one should turn at that point, which would have been the library, to get to the brothel. And the woman's head symbolizes the woman waiting in the brothel, and the heart shows that they are eager for love. This marble road also would have led directly to the temple of Artemis. Now, the word, Greek word here for sexual morality that Paul uses is pornea. And it generally refers to any kind of sexual sin, whether it's adultery, fornication, prostitution, homosexuality, etc. Now, today, I'm pretty thankful that we don't have anything like the Temple of Artemis, like right here. But prostitution definitely still exists, right? And adultery is super common in our day and age, too. And really, it's responsible for at least or up to 40% of all divorces. In contrast to this, only 17% of of adults who remain faithful throughout their marriage can be said to no longer be together, either by separation or divorce. And along with this, LGBTQ community is quickly growing as well. In 2020, 5.6% of adults surveyed identified as LGBTQ, which is up from 3.5% of adults surveyed in 2012. And I didn't put the chart up here for you when I was looking for it, right? It is going like parabolic almost, like 2012 to 2013. It's kind of like a horizontal line. And it goes up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit, and like the percentage is just starting to shoot up and go parabolic at this point. I said that the Greek word here is pornea. 
And I'm sure the first thing we all think of is what that would be the root word for us today, which is pornography, which is actually kind of where we're going to focus in on today. So just a few statistics from a, a Christian a program called Covenant Eyes about pornography. So 28,000 people watch it every second. One in five mobile searches is for pornography. One in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors use porn on a regular basis. And that amounts to about 50,000 U.S. church leaders. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. That's only the people that actually admit to it to the survey as well. One in three users of pornographic websites are women. That's not just a man thing. 56% of divorce cases state that a partner had, quote, an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 11 is the average age that someone is first exposed to pornography. And 94% of people have been exposed to it by the age of 14. Such an immensely widespread issue in our time. Even as the church, as we saw in these statistics, it's widespread in our own circles. A $97 billion industry. That's easily the most secret of our sexual sin. At least with the others we mentioned. Prostitution, adultery, fornication, homosexuality. There's kind of more at risk with getting caught. And also, like, you have to have another human for it to work. You have to have someone else to be involved. Pornography, however, is incredibly accessible. Everyone with a cell phone, unfortunately, has access right in their hands at all times. Right? Once upon a time, one would have to actually go to like a store or a rental shop to get it. But with the internet, it's just always there. And even with all those statistics that we heard, I imagine the numbers are far greater when you consider that it's only the people who are willing to admit, even in a survey, that they take part in this. So because of these statistics, I'm sure that there are some in this church right now who struggle with pornography. And there are things to help. And name some practical things before we go into more spiritual things. Right. You can seek accountability partners. And then the service I mentioned earlier, Covenant Eyes, this isn't the only one that exists, but it's the one that I happen to know of through this. Um, but Covenant Eyes is a Christian company, monitors your computer and phones for pornographic activity and notifies an accountability for you if it detects anything. So there is a cost. Um, now, I'm really not trying to advertise it, but just trying to give some practical resources that we can use because it's a massive issue, not just, like, not just in the world, but in the church as well. But I'm sure everyone here that your spouse, if you have this issue, would rather you pay $15 a month to help get rid of your pornography addiction than to continue to have the effects of porn in your marriage, right? Because its use is adultery. You might think it's not because you're not having the actual act of having sex, but you are lusting after someone else, right? And it can ruin your marriage as it decreases sexual satisfaction and your spouse feels like they can't measure up, right? If this is something you'd like to ask me more about, please, after the service, I will try to remain by the stage. I will talk to you, or you can go to my office over there, and I'll 
meet you when I'm done waiting around here. But what does Paul say about this at the end of verse 3? That it must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. We of Christians should not have these things named among us. We should be clean of sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. Now, some of Paul's audience probably thought, well, duh, that's a no-brainer. Because some of them would have been the Jewish believers that he preached to first when he was in Ephesus. Excuse me. <coughs> you know what he... You know, when, uh, <coughs> you know when you accidentally inhale water? Uh, <clears throat> Similarly, many of us have grown up in church our entire lives. And even we are falling into these sins. But for Paul, right, and for us, for Paul, what about the pagans that didn't grow up in the Jewish faith? Or for us, what about the people who didn't grow up in church? This was a normal way of life for people before conversion. Like going to the Temple of Artemis was something that pretty much everyone did before Paul came and Christianity started to spread. The Jewish people probably would have been one of the, the few people there that didn't take part. It would have been acceptable. Yet Paul here is telling us, what was acceptable before is no longer acceptable for us today, right? We need to cast these sins out of our life. We need to be able to recognize our own sin and confess it to Christ. This is our first step of casting it out of our lives. The Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin, and then we'll know it. But we have to work with the Holy Spirit to confess it to Christ and begin the work of removing it from our lives. Okay. Does everyone else feel uncomfortable yet? Trust me, as an introvert who really doesn't enjoy talking to begin with, talking about pornography with all of you here is not exactly my favorite moment in my life. But we will, we're still going to talk about some sin, but we'll ease up with maybe some uh, uh, less difficult topics. So the next one was covetousness. Right, how much time do we spend on Facebook or Instagram, like jealous of other people's lives? How much time and energy do we spend looking at the next toy we want in our garage or for our living room? How much do we really spend giving thanks for all the things that we have already been blessed with? What is it that we're seeking after that we're making an idol out of and putting in Jesus' throne? Is it the vacation we want to take? Because we saw last week, Jennifer took this amazing trip to Thailand that looked beautiful, and man, that just hit my bucket list because of it. Is it new clothes? Is it a promotion or a raise? I have to remember that when we die, we don't get to take any of our stuff with us. Right, that promotion that we're kind of killing ourselves for won't mean anything in eternity. Those beautiful, high, like those beautiful pearls that we saw in the jewelry store window, that won't last either. The latest iPhone? I don't know about you, but like our phones go obsolete in a couple of years. Like that's definitely not going to last. All right, this coveting and sexual immorality shouldn't even be named among us. That doesn't mean that we don't say these words or talk about it, but it means they should not be the sins we're known for. If we think back to the church in Corinth, as Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Paul do admonish them because someone was sleeping with their stepmother. We are to be separated from the world by acting differently than they do. We should not be falling into the same sin cycles as the world does. This will bring us to our third item of this. Our worthless speech in verse 4. Our speech is part of what we're known by as Christians. Our speech and our actions is how we're most going to be known by other people. And Paul commands us, let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking among us. And what do these all mean? Well, I'll just read you how John Calvin, in his commentary on Ephesians, right, defined all of these. Filthiness, all that is indecent or not consistent with modesty to the godly. Foolish talk, all talk that is unprofitably or wickedly foolish. And then he doesn't define crude joking because honestly, do we really need to have a definition of what crude joking is? I think we know. Now, how do we actually go about this? Right, Paul finishes this verse by telling us that in contrast to our filthiness, our foolish talk, or crude joking, that we should be filled with thanksgiving. This thanksgiving can actually help us to avoid the covetousness from the past verse as well, back in verse 3, and the sexual immorality as well. You are far less likely to covet what you don't have if instead your mind is set on giving thanks for the things that we currently do have in our life. You'll be less tempted towards adultery if your mind is set upon giving thanks for the spouse that you do have. Right? And we should be known for our contentment, even as we think of the people we know. Do you really like to hang around people that are constant complainers? Is it a fun situation? Not really. Do we trust people who constantly spread gossip? A crude joke or sexual innuendo may lead to a quick and easy laugh at the water cooler. But is it meaningful? Is it profitable? Does it honor God? Obviously not. Instead of putting out the energy for the quick and easy laugh at the water cooler, that everyone will immediately forget. Let's talk about meaningful things. Let the way you speak set you apart as a Christian. And gossip's another great example of this. That's one of the secret sins we don't really talk about that much. Did a fly just fly at me? That's what it felt like. How often are we tempted to share the juicy news we just heard from someone else? Did you hear what Susie did last week? Can you believe when Jason wore to church this morning? How much time do we waste away with friends and family as we gossip about others? Are we being godly in these scenarios? Definitely not. Let our conversations instead be known for us giving thanks than for our gossip. So what is in store for everyone who continues to fall into these sins habitually? Paul is going to talk about the consequences of living in darkness. Let's take a moment and read what Paul says here in verses 5 through 7. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, continuing to happily live in... Oh, sorry. Therefore, do not become partners with them. And then I continued reading my notes like it was scripture. My notes are not scripture. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> Continuing to happily live in these sins that Paul is warning us about is not the sign of a Christian. 
Those who are sexually immoral or impure or who are covetous have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And these words are a strong warning. Christ loves us too much to leave us in our sin. So one thing I like to do is to kind of use scripture to interpret scripture, um, which is something we probably all should be doing. But here's another passage where Paul gives the same warning. If you can flip with me a few books back to 1 Corinthians 6, and we'll read verses 9 through 11. If you're going backwards or in Ephesians, you'll have Galatians, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. It'll be chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What does this then mean? Doesn't our faith in Christ secure us? Doesn't the Holy Spirit sanctify us of our sins? Yes, those with the hope we are saved by faith alone, and the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sins. But He doesn't cleanse our sins from us, right? We have to work with Him in that sanctification process. What this doesn't mean is that those who have committed these sins in the past but have repented and have abstained from them are barred from the kingdom of God. As it says in verse 11, such were, past tense, some of you, but you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. But it does not mean that you were currently still trapped in these sins and you are not repenting. What it doesn't mean is that if you are currently still trapped and you are not repenting and you are not changing your ways, that's a sign that Christ is not in you. As verse 1 of our passage tells us to be imitators of God and by happily profaning his laws. We are not being imitators of God. We're going to flip again. We're just going to read a ton of Paul today. I apologize. So to Philippians chapter 2. And now we're going 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm going to read verse 12 and 13 in Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, some of you may still be in this. We all have sins we have to cleanse out, right? But some of them are habitual, and hopefully we're not all in those. Some of you may be sleeping with your boyfriend and you're not married. Some of you may be cheating on your spouse. And I'm certain, based on the statistics I gave earlier, that some of us are struggling with pornography. Stop and repent. Confess these sins to Christ and begin work now on changing them. We all fall into sin, but continuing to sin habitually is not something that someone who is planted in the good soil, so think about the parable of the sower, would be doing. In doing this, you are living against the word of God. In our illustration this morning about the battleships, you are being the captain shouting, I'm the captain, I'm the battleship, bend to my will. But God and his word are both there telling you, I'm the lighthouse. He is unchanging. His word is unchanging. He will not be swayed by us, but we must bend our will towards him. He is trying to protect us from the shipwreck of dashing our life on the rocky shore of sin. 
we can think back to that image of the shore that I showed earlier. There was a shipwreck there. I don't know if you read this, if you could even read the sign on that one. Someone was shipwrecked there Christmas Eve, like 1886, was someone had painted on there. But there are also consequences in this life if we don't change our ways. An example, look at Ravi Zacharias. Those of you who don't know who he is, he was a Christian apologist whose ministry spanned over 40 years. Evangelicals long held him dear and as an incredible Christian evangelist. Yet he had secret sins that have completely tarnished his reputation now that they've been revealed after his death. He was investing in massage parlors. He's bringing a private masseuse on his trips. He's paying for the apartments for the mistresses he kept around the world. And the women he was harassing, and the ones he was paying off, and the ones that he was spiritually abusing with statements like, I deserve this, meaning his adultery, because of the great cost of my ministry. And then just this week, I was reading an article about DNA tests. You know, if any of you have done those with like Ancestry.com or I think there's like 23 in me, or there's a bunch of stuff like that and others. But big family secrets have ended up getting revealed through these. And constantly, it's happening more and more as more people have sent in their DNA. There's more information to base this off of. They're finding mothers who had affairs, so who these kids thought was their father, turns out isn't their biological father. Or they're finding out that a father had an entirely secret life and that he was also raising an entirely other family with a second wife and children. Our skeletons will be found out, even on earth. When we die, our spouse or our kids, or someone will likely have to go through our emails and our accounts to shut things down. They'll find your porn subscriptions or your Tinder account that you've been using to commit adultery. These sins will be revealed. And even if they're not revealed in this life or to the people that you currently raise, right? God knows, and there is judgment based upon it. And we can even see in our current culture how real the deception is. It's not even just the culture, but even pastors of churches. I'm sure of even some in our own town here in Atlantic. Right? Some are deceiving their flocks. They have become this captain wearing... I'm sorry, I'm pressing the wrong button. Right? They've become the captain wearing their rainbow stoles and preach to their congregation about the acceptance of the LGBTQ lifestyle and the acceptance of multiple genders. They go against the word of God. That is the steady lighthouse that's trying to protect us from the rocky shore. But they pound this message out, deceiving their own people. But Paul tells us, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. There are consequences for our sins. And there are double punishments for teachers who are leading others astray, as John tells us in James Three, verse 1. And if we are to be imitators of Christ, then we must imitate Christ as he warned people about their sin and taught them to repent and to follow him. Now finally, how do you take the last verse in this section? Therefore, do not become partners with them. Right, just like as we are told to be equally yoked in our marriages, we should also be equally yoked in other aspects of our lives, right? like being a business owner. For instance, when I candidated here, many of you knew that Um, I was the co-owner of an oil service company down in Houston, Texas. In setting up this business, I I thought carefully about who my other co-owners were. We had two others. I thought to myself, are they Christian? Do they imitate Christ? Can we do business together faithfully and honor Christ? No. 
The answers were yes, and so I was very happy to move forward with them. But when we met with investors, I thought these same questions through my mind. Is this investor a Christian? Is he imitating Christ? Can I honor Christ and work with him? Turns out, with most of them, it was no. I could have taken the easy way and taken a deal with them, and it would have set us forward, but it also wouldn't have been Christ-honoring in doing this. And so do we think through these questions when we're working or when we're planning who we're spending time with or who our best friends are or who, who we're going to marry for those who are still single? Right. I wish I'd thought more about these decisions in my life in the past. Now we get the chance to read Paul's last bit of advice for us today. That's to cleanse the darkness with light. Verse 8 through 14. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. All right, to cast away the darkness on our sin, we need the light of Christ to shine upon it. Just like in when I wrote this example, I thought it was a lot better, but as I have now lived in Atlantic for about 10 months, I've realized I've never seen a roach here. Um, so... But in Houston, because it's so humid, they're there year-round. You can't, they, they'll never die. Um, but yeah, it, when, so, and we don't have basements to make the other part of it make sense. But when you enter your basement that's been abandoned, imagine this is a place with roaches. Um, and you click that light on, the roaches scatter. It'd be hidden, right? That is the light. It's not really cleansing it because the roaches are still there, but it's making you aware of what is there so you can take care of the issue. Right, and then in a similar vein, right, darkness is just the absence of light. Right, Heidi, and being married to me, has had to get used to this unfortunate fact that my eyes are really sensitive to light. And so I kind of prefer for a house to be fairly dark, and she prefers for it to be light and happy. So actually, if you come to my office sometimes, you might think I'm not here because there's no lights on in my office. It's just because my eyes hurt. <laughs> so I turn them off. Um, but when we first moved here, right, we didn't have any blinds in our house yet. It wasn't empty because we had a moving truck come and a bunch of y'all came and helped. We're so thankful for that. But, like, we couldn't remove light to make it dark. Because you can't add darkness, right? I can't put darkness in a space, but I can remove light to make it dark. And what else does the light do? It's a natural bleach and cleanser. Right? Just even being able to acknowledge our sin to ourselves is casting that light upon it so we can begin the fight to end that sin in our lives. Have you seen these new like cell phone cleaners they've come out with? It's just like a little box, and you put your phone in it, and then like it shines these really bright UV lights to kill the germs and bacteria on it because our phones are disgusting because we touch it all the time. Um, Right, but it's, it's done put like hand sanitizer on it. That's going to leave your phone sticky and gross. You'll never want to use it again. But it's using light to kill it because it is part of that process. Right, so as Christ is our lighthouse, and he's still trying to protect us from the rocky shore 
that we like to try to shipwreck ourselves on. We need to seek out the light of Christ and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really the member of the Trinity that gives us that convicting feeling that even my own sermon gave me as I wrote it. We have to listen to this feeling and begin to work against us. Paul tells us in Galatians what actions we are to get to avoid and what actions make us imitators in Christ. You don't mind turning with me to Galatians chapter 5. So just one book back from Ephesians. Ephesians back to Galatians. This will be verses 19 through 24. Now the works of the flesh, and these are the dark sins that surround us, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, right, these are what we are known as as Christians, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And again, if you don't mind indulging me one more time by flipping to Colossians, at least I'm trying to keep you in the same general area. Um, Colossians chapter 3, be verse 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And Galatians, we once again got that warning that those who participate in these things, the dark secret sins that surround our lives, the works of the flesh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then his closing statement there and his opening statement to Colossians, right? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and they've taken on those fruits of the Spirit. Are we doing that? Are we crucifying the works of the flesh within ourselves and then imitating Christ with the fruit of the Spirit? Are we putting away our sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, foolish talk, and crude joking, and instead wearing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? What sin is it that we are holding on to as our idol? What is taking Christ's throne in our lives? In a moment, I'm going to give us each a minute to pause and to look at ourselves and ask that question to ourselves. What is taking Christ's throne in our lives? And then once you have done that, I want you to take a moment and pray, confessing that sin to Christ. Ask for the Holy Spirit to continue to convict you of that sin and begin the work now of cleansing it from your life. Right? Because sometimes you get those people that this happens and then they, they're never even tempted towards that sin again. For most of us, that's not the case. Right? We're going to fall and we're going to have to repent again. We're going to have to continue to ask for this help and this forgiveness and to confess these sins to Christ. 
wants to expose ourselves to the light of Christ who bleaches and cleanses our sins. I'll give you this moment to think about what is the secret sin around you and then confess that sin to Christ. listen to these confessions of sins and please help the Holy Spirit to continue to convict people of them and for them to work with the Holy Spirit in cleansing it from their lives. In your name, amen. Now, what actions can we take? Are we able to find someone we trust to be accountable to? Are we able to delete what we need to from our phones and our computers? Are we willing to continue to repent? So as we close today, Remember to try to wake our dead selves from being desensitized from our secret sins. Cast a light upon our sins so that we are fully aware of it and can begin to make changes to cast it out. Sexual immorality, covetousness, and worthless speech should not be known among us as followers of Christ. Remember to let your speech be filled with thanksgiving, to constantly be giving thanks for the house, the job, the phone, the spouse, the friends, the kids, etc., that we do have. The more we're giving thanks for what we do have, the less we'll be seeking out the latest and greatest tech gadget or tempted to cheat on our spouse or to look at pornography. We'll have less opportunity to make these crude jokes and to participate in meaningless discussions as we'll be too busy thanking God for what he has blessed us with. Once again, if pornography is your struggle, please find me after the service. Try to hang around here and then go back to my office. I'd love to remind you of the resources that I shared and be able to follow up on finding an accountability partner. And then remember, the secret sin that we took a moment to think about in ourselves and confess to Christ. Write it down for yourself later and continue the fight against it. Seek out God's word instead of, of taking part in it. Let's try to avoid being the captain on the battleship, crying out, I'm the captain, I'm the battleship, bend to my will when we need to bend to God's word. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word and that we can know you and know about you through it. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Help us today as we have considered these sins in our lives to continue to battle them. Help the Holy Spirit to continue to convict us and to help us in that sanctification process that we will work along with him in battling the sin in our lives. Um, We are so thankful for you and for your son who died to, to cleanse these sins for us so that we don't have to suffer the eternal punishment for them because you have forgiven us. We're thankful for you and for all of your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.